Welcome to the Doghouse, in episode number two of Oh You Didn't Know. I'm Ryan Katz, and I'm joined by the dog, that's right, the road dog, BG Brian James. But that's what you're tuning in for, so in this case, I think you did know, but dog, welcome to another episode of the show. Ryan, catch you old son of a beasting. You never cease to amaze me. Part right. due, part due. Here we go. Here we go on another uh, journey of storytelling and Absolutely. mystery and sarcasm, apparently. <laughs> First episode, dogs behind us. And now that we're swimming, we can take off these water wings and jump in a little bit. The floaties. Can, yeah. Mum, can I take me floaties off? <laughs> Last week, we were discussing the New Age Outlaws forming as a tag team. And this week on Oh You Didn't Know, we're going to get into the evolution of the first couple of months of the New Age Outlaws. The initial (laughs) tease of joining Degeneration X, then actually becoming official degenerates in the new (laughs) DX. So are all you listeners ready to bow down to the master? Well, let's break it down. Break it down. Dog, I used to love sur- that part. I mean, I mean, you can't help but like that yeah. part. It's just ex- it gets you jacked. And then it's the build because it's the anticipation. And you know, I think a lot of people when they come out to the ring, they like the anticipation, but it's just slow. And that one just had ups, downs, and just got your heart rate going. And then boom, yeah. and then got yeah. you pumped. All right, it, let's get into action. Well, you want to get into action? You let's do it. Chat, no. you get let's, let's do it. We could just talk about our interest music for another hour and a half, I guess. But we should move on. All right, Survivor Series 97. You and Billy open the show teaming with the Godwins, taking on the Blackjacks and Headbangers. And you two are the last Survivors finishing off the Headbangers. It's a big win on your first pay-per-view together as a team, but it's hard not just to talk about Survivor Series in that sense, with Bret Hart being screwed by Vince McMahon that year. I know we're talking about your path to DX on this episode, but as someone that was there, what do you remember of that night and everything that went down? So I remember... uh getting our win on that pay-per-view for sure. I remember uh, Billy and I talked about that a great deal. And so we, we were excited about winning and you could tell they kind of put us over in, in strong fashion and uh, man, big thanks to everybody in that ring because there was a lot of great superstars and that's uh, getting to work with Barry Windham again. And I talked about that last week. What a fan of, of uh, his I am. Um, and then Bradshaw, not not a huge fan of his physicality because it hurts so bad, but a big fan of his anyway. So I got to work with the Godwins. I used to love, uh, I didn't used to, I still do, love Phineas and Tech. So, so what I remember for was we had fun with this match. We had a good time, and this was the first uh, of a very the first step in a in a sprint uh, to to join DX. So we'll talk more about that as we go on. Yeah, but let's also just let's. I'm going to move a little bit away from your your career and your match in this sense. On let's just talk Survivor Series and Bret Hart. Okay. Let's talk the screw job a little. Everyone wants to know everyone's perspective. And as someone that was there, what did you witness? Did things seem off through the day? Were people standoffish or staying distant? What what was the move like outside of just your match? Well, so so you know when you go to the uh, the arena and, and it's a TV or a pay per view day, you kind of you kind of do just stick to your 
match. And, uh, and, and at this point, that's what I did. Um, I remember I wasn't watching the show, uh, at the time I probably should have been, I could have learned something, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, I, I didn't see what happened, but all of a sudden everybody was running to the, uh, to the monitors to try to find out what was going down. <clears throat> what I remember that night the most was, <laughs> two things one the loogie that brett spit on vince mcmahon like the holy mackerel man what a what a uh yeah that was disgusting and but but what a shot what an aim like it was great and then i remember uh staying late at the building and Vince coming out of the locker room uh, with a big red and purple eyeball um and from what i understand he let brett Swing out, swing on him. Uh, I don't doubt that one bit because that's the kind of man Vince is. Uh, I'm still not a hundred percent sure it was all real, <laughs> and that's just me being honest with you. I know I'm cynical because I'm a wrestler and I'm one of the boys, and I think everything's a work. But well, that's uh, amazing to hear because if that <clears throat> is the case, you got to say one of the best, most or you know, best orchestrated, well thought out, and then long term works going. That that this many years later, I mean, we're talking to almost 25 years at this point, that there's still a question of doubt. That yeah. There, that there that there's a gray area of possibility. Yeah, that nobody's nobody's cracked, that nobody spoke, nobody sang. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, look, I, I that's why I say I'm not 100 percent sure either way. Uh, and I am cynical uh, because I've been in this industry for a long time. Um, and so it just makes me wonder. But I know uh, they went all out if it was a work because he let he let Brett punch him right in the face you know what i, I mean i was uh, a, i was a senior in college at the time watching and i'm with my roommates and i just remember all of us like oh my god that's real this yeah. is supposed to happen there's yeah. no way this is the well it, you know what bench the, the the bigger question to me as a i mean i guess as a as a guy who wants to know the truth is if they did that for real why did they have to get there like, why wasn't business done in a way where it could have just been done? And that, to me, that begs the bigger question. That's just, that's just me. And look, so, I, I, my opinions are just like a-holes. Everybody's got one and they all stink, but, but that's mine. I've been watching this show billions for the last month, and it just deals with big money, corporations, government, and just corruption and ego. And I think there's an answer. The business couldn't just be done right because yeah. – those are involved in every single side and not one's biggie like it's all parties are still are still holding on to what they believe that it should be the way it should be done i guess yeah yeah no you're 100 percent right and 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 that's those those three little letters not rko but ego man uh many uh many a great man it's brought down I skipped over the match that was going because a lot of it's not you wrestling right now, and I'd rather just talk about your work in the ring. But let's go move forward. DX has already formed at this point with Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and China. And when DX itself is originally formed, what did you think of that combination coming together? <laughs> that picture is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, look, I we were all like envious of their of their position, you know what I mean? Or their spot, you call it whatever you want to, but where they were on the television show, where they were on the card, uh, their, their importance, you know what I mean? Like everybody was a little envious professionally for sure. Um, and 
dang, I, I would I would have given anything to be with them because uh, I didn't know it was a possibility until it was, you know. As someone who has such sarcasm, energy, humor, fun, jovial sense, and all of that, as you saw their antics increasing and pushing the boundaries and tiptoeing over the edge of what was previously allowed to be done, did it get you a little bit more jazzed up, excited for possibilities of what you'd be able to do as a character or what you'd be able to say? Yeah, hundred percent. And look, I uh, implemented that that luxury, I guess, in all of my promos. Like I would take it a little too far. I would go farther than maybe I would have uh, two years prior. You know what I mean? Like it got to a point where, okay, they're, they're kind of leading the way and they're being nasty. Maybe I can be a little nastier in my, in my promo. And that look, that's looking back on it in retrospect, it's not something I'm really proud of. I, I my grandchildren will watch that and go, Hey, Papa, you were a real son of a, uh, but, but you know, I, I did, I, I, they were leading the way. And so I thought, okay, well, so if they can play, maybe I can play too. And so, yeah, it, it, it made me, realize, okay, we can push the envelope. And, and that's that's what Billy and I started doing. You know what I mean? Qu- quickly. Dusty Rhodes always talked to me about tiptoeing up to the line and then slowly crossing the line. And if you go too far, <laughs> someone slaps your toe and you pull it back a little bit until you cross that line again. Yeah, and amen. it's always that thing of, of trying to push the boundaries and take yourself up to a new level and, and, and open the door for newer opportunities that hadn't been seen. Yeah. And look, I think at that point, too, it was a uh, personally owned company. You know what I mean? It wasn't privately owned. So he could he could do whatever he wanted to. And he could also produce whatever uh, rated television show he could he would produce, you know, because, you know, you're going to get sponsors. They just might not be blue chip sponsors. They might not be, you know, uh, getting the Snickers. deal. Yeah. Yeah. Snickers, Eminem, whatever. You know what I mean? But but. But we're still getting sponsors, that's for sure. <laughs> what was your relationship like at that time with Sean Hunter in China? So it was good. You know, I was uh, really lucky in the sense that Sean took a liking to me early on. Sean had a lot to do with me uh, becoming the roadie for Jeff Jarrett. Like he he really spoke up for me uh during that period of my of my career, like early on. And so so I knew Sean and we got along well. Um, you know, I knew Hunter from WCW I, when he was terrorizing and I was Brian Armstrong and we were, you know what I mean? We worked there for probably a year. Uh, so we had a good relationship and China j- had just come on, but she fit right in, man. She was such a trooper and such a, uh, a a good sport and and funny and man she just she just fit right in with us it was awesome so yeah my relationship with those guys were, were all positive uh they still are to be quite honest with you um sean was a different guy than he is today so so am i you know what I mean? So are you, I would imagine yep. <laughs> than well, when you were, sure than when you were yeah, sophomore in college or whatever, but, uh, but you know, we, we always got along and sometimes I wanted to fight him and I'll never forget Scott Hall, God rest his soul saying, uh, man, you can't beat up my meal ticket. And, uh, and, and I, and I loved it because look at that time, Sean was the meal ticket. You know what I mean? He really was, he was on top and he, and, uh, and sometimes he acted that way. And so you get, oh, you get mad and you go, well, you know, uh, only people who can back it up can act that way. <laughs> and he could. He could. And it's something I think you really need to have. You, I mean, we talked the ego, but you need to have that ego to have success at the top level. If you're on top, if you're a top guy, uh, which is 
those two words are thrown around a lot uh, here in wrestling these days, too. But if you're really the top guy, uh, it is like being a, a, a mad scientist. You know what I mean? Every genius is a little quirky. Uh, every artist is a little eccentric. And that's kind of what you need in that top guy. He's got to have that top guy mentality. And look, that's one of the reasons I, I was I wasn't a top guy, but I was the top guy's understudy or something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what analogy to utilize uh, for that, but but I always saw myself as like top me and Billy. Top guy adjacent. Yeah, yeah, that's, there it is. TGA. Uh, that's exactly what I was. Um, it, well put. I think me and Billy together made a top guy. You know what I mean? We made a we made an act that could close the show. That's for Absolutely. dang sure. Absolutely. And uh, and that, yeah, so my relationship with those guys was really good. Later during the Survivor Series, you and Billy come out during the Legion of Dooms match, and Billy has his face painted, and you stole the LOD shoulder pads, and you cause Animal to be counted out. This has got to be a big deal for you to be working with LOD, especially with your family being so deeply rooted in the business. How excited are you going into this match, this program, and everything? Yeah, man, so so, so excited, because look, the Road Warriors were one of my favorite teams in history, like old Georgia championship wrestling, when they would come in and they would just, the bell wouldn't even ring. They just run across and beat the piss out of two guys. Um, Man, there was nothing better than that. And they were terrifying, but I had known at this point, I had known Hawk almost a decade. Uh, I'd known them both almost a decade, but Hawk, I spent more time with. Um, And so, so it was, it was almost like working with Mike and Joe, you know what I mean? Like I knew them for a while, but at the same time, this was the first thing in my professional life that was, uh, you know, next step. And and it all came really fast. And so uh, I just wanted to say, like, thanks to you, Ryan, and to the researchers and everybody for for kind of walking me back through this, because it's really therapeutic and really cool. Um, And I wish I would have been sober. (laughs) <laughs> for a lot of it. I, I don't mean to take us down a dark path, but I really do. It's one of the things I, I don't have any regrets because I, I, I don't want to, you know, I can't cry over spilt milk. What's done is done. But the one thing I think about is, man, if I hadn't have been, you know, out of my mind on, on mind altering substances, how far would I have gotten? How, you know, what, 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 what could I have done in this industry? Um, Truth be told, I probably did it all I needed to do anyway, Uh, exactly how it was supposed to be and exactly doing what I'm supposed to be doing now, you know? I mean, I'm just, I'm just hearing the emotion in your voice and I'm getting a little choked up. Yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's, look, I, I love my life now. I love this part of my life too, that we're talking about right now. When I was, you know, we're talking about young, young Brian and young Billy and young Sean and young, you know, Hunter and X-Pod came along and, and man, it's was a great part of my life, but it's nothing compared to the life I'm living now. And I don't mean to get us off track. I just mean, man, being granddad, being pawpaw is, is all it's cracked up to be my friends. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. All right, well, I'm going to bring us back to the race. Please do. Did you have any hesitation? I mean, you're going to be like, I just told you, I don't remember. (laughs) Any hesitations knowing the Legion of Doom's reputation? Or or, or were you ready to just get in there and rough it up with them? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Look, their reputation definitely preceded them. but, But if I'm being honest, this was me and Billy at our prime and them 
way after theirs. And I don't mean that in any, any disrespectful way at all. It's just a, a fact of the years, you know what I mean? And where we were in our careers. And so we were, as far as physicality is concerned, me and Billy, uh, they need to be worried about getting in there with us. And that's, and that's the truth. Cause we were young and dumb and, uh, as stiff as they come. So we were that maybe that's a good spot to get into our blue chew. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. No, but yeah, the road warriors needed to uh, needed to watch out for us because look, we were we were young and we were uh, ready to rock and roll. You know what I mean? We, and we felt it. And so, but look, they were physical. There were times, one time uh, when Hawk backed me up to the turnbuckle. We locked up. He backed me up to the turnbuckle. I went to put my hands up, and he just punched me right in the face, like with full on punch right in the face. And I just rolled out of the floor and walked to the back. And Jack. Lanza was standing at the curtain. He goes, what the hell are you doing, kid? And I said, he just punched me right in the face. I'm not going back out there. <laughs> and Billy was out there getting killed. And, and Jack said, well, I guess Billy can take the finish, huh? <laughs> I said, no, I'll go back out there in a minute. So I went back out there in a second. But yeah, they, look, there was they're tough dudes. We were tough dudes too. You know what I mean? So yeah, we were excited about it uh, because of where we were going. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to go work with those guys, <clears throat> you're, you're doing something. And man, that was early in our career. We were both, you know, like just not long ago, we weren't doing anything. And now all of a sudden we're shooting to the moon, man. So it, yeah, it felt good for us. Amazing. You do a couple of angles with Los Bariquas and mock them and vandalize their locker room. The mocking of other teams. Uh, whose idea was that? Does that come from creative or are you bringing and presenting ideas that you think are funny? No, that was uh, Russo for sure. Russo. And, and look, it was another thing, too. Like, you got to think about how fast we were going at that time. Like we were, you know, if they're putting a rocket ship on you, they have you make fun of and then beat all the tag teams and and steal their you know, they're the blackjacks hats. We stole the uh, thunder, the uh, shoulder pads you just mentioned. However, rib was on us. We stole the shoulder pads. Then we had to carry them from town to town in huge <laughs> hockey pad bags. You know what I mean? And we literally had to carry those around. And that was a rib on us. But, you know, it didn't matter to me. I, we were carrying the Road Warriors shoulder pads around. Joke's on you. <laughs> I'm, you're paying me to do it. And that becomes checked baggage at that point. Yes, I was to see De De definitely checked baggage. Bag. <laughs> yeah, with those spikes, you'd have to unscrew <laughs> the spikes. It was a, it was, I guess it was funny to them, you know. I, I remember as a kid, and I, I got to be like nine years old at this point, where someone would tell me that the spikes had a gimmick that squirted fake blood and stuff. <laughs> and well, I remember as a kid hearing this, and you'd look at the clip, and you'd be like, there's no way it's in his head and stuff. But, yeah, yeah, no, you literally, those are sharp as crap and metal and uh my pick my kids have pictures with them on and everything you know uh because it was the road warrior shoulder pads you know all right on november 24th from fayetteville north carolina the outlaws take on the legion of doom in a world tag team title match and billy gets the pin and wins the title after a victory roll when you hit animal with a chair Yes, we cheated. We <laughs> cheated and then we ran. Dirty uh, dogs. And I love the psychology. Yeah, so so for those of you uh listening. Yeah, listening and not watching on YouTube, uh 
Yeah, this is from North North Kakalaki, I think I called it in the in the promo. Um, but yeah, this is where we won the tag titles. And I think this was the first time we won them. We spoke briefly yesterday, Ryan, about I thought this was a different city, um, but we worked with them again in in California. And and I saw that in the notes also. So I thought, like, maybe that's the time I'm confusing it with. But he's there in the strobe lights and strobe lights just make everything look cool. Everything cool. And 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 there's the road warriors, the Legion of Doom standing in the ring, jacked and oiled and mohawks. They're my first memory of wrestling. It's hearing the black. It's hearing the Iron Man guitar riff and, and oh, see the yes. a little kid going and jumping in my mom's bed on a Saturday and Sunday morning and couldn't wait to see them fellas from Chicago. Right, here you are. So so here we come out. If, if Like I said, if you're listening here, we come out on the stage with their. Uh... Can, can we pump up some volume on this? The LOD. Wasn't that clever? And, and, and like, so in what world would I think with my skinny fat butt that I would be working for the road with the road warriors for the titles and beat them? You know what I mean? Like, that's just uh, it was just so unheard of at the I time. But you just talked all the smack and then Hawk comes running at you. The wave off. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's the so look. That's what I talked about earlier about the psychology uh, of it all was like. Man, imagine the road warriors let me stand up there for as long as they did and just talk crap about them while wearing their shoulder pads and they're in the ring. I mean, that's so it's only right that they came and attacked us. That's good psychology, right? You don't get to do the bad guy doesn't get to do that. You know what I mean? I enjoyed the facial expression of Hawk when you called him a dinosaur. He looked like they were legitimately hurt right there. He might have been. That's probably why they legitimately hurt us. And uh, Hawk, so Hawk always hit with that chop punch, chop punch. And man, it uh, he would catch you with that punch every time. All right, you're barely a tag team for one month here, and you're winning the tag team titles from the LOD, the Road Warriors. Like, you guys went from zero to 100 miles per hour. Is this overwhelming at all? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely overwhelming, but I didn't know enough to be overwhelmed. Um I definitely, it was a pivotal point that I should have seen coming. And, and, and like I said, having to retrospectively look back at this, I'm seeing, uh, creative steps they took now that I've worked on the other side of the, of the, uh, the train tracks, you know what I mean? Um, I've seen creative steps they took on this to build us up quick, uh, and I think Sean's injury had something to do with that. I think we're going to talk about that here in a minute. I just watched you pull a smooth move to get out of the way from Hawk and get out of the ring, only to, to eat be a close <laughs> clothesline from Animal. Up hey, and you know what I saw uh, on another one of these clips? Sean Michaels does the exact same spot. <laughs> the clothesline on the outside and everything. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Maybe I stole it from him. I probably did. <laughs> so, so now that you become tag team champions after this match concludes, does anything change for you? you like are we talking any changes in pay any perks any travel differences so yeah well of course uh and look how i take a good for those who can see i take a good vertical suplex as well straightened up straightened out the legs (laughs) oh yeah so so anyway um yes a lot changed um we ran out of there and drove away. I mentioned this, that I wore the tag title through the Atlanta airport and I wore, set the tag title up in my car, a lot of that. But, but look, our, our 
flights changed. This is where we sat on the airplane changed. Um, to talk about money changing. Uh, yeah, m m money was changing. And look, they've always been great about taking care of the guys that, that are doing it. And this, uh, I don't want it to sound braggadocious, but it, but it might come out that way. I was one of the guys that was that was doing it. You know what I mean? I may have been surrounded by some other guys and, and not have been me myself, but my faction that I was with and Stone Cold and The Rock, uh, you know, and, and, a, and a bevy of others, we were doing it. And so he's always taking care of the people who, who take care of him, who make money for him. And we were making money for him at the time and uh, and making history, too. And that's what you're getting into it for, especially in that phase of life. I mean, you're getting into it for the money, the fame, the parties, the girls, and all and of the other all, things that it come all, around. It, and it all came really fast. There you go, hit, hitting with the championship. Like, I, I, I'm so ingrained in eight years at the office that I can't even <laughs> say belt normally. And it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, title. it comes out. It's got to be a championship title. <laughs> um, yeah, but he kicked out. He kept kicked out of the title shot, uh, and you can't say shot either. Uh, he he it attacked him with the title. But yeah, so th this there's a funny story about the finish of this match that I, that I'd like to tell. Yeah. So uh, at the end, we talked about the uh, he gets he being Joe Animal mm -hmm. gets uh, Billy up on his shoulders. Um, as Hawks climbing to the turnbuckle to hit him with that doomsday or whatever they call it, the yep, clothesline. Device, yep. um, yeah. So, so as he's climbing, I came in with a chair and hit Joe animal in the back. It turned him into the victory roll. Hawk jumped down, ran past him and cracks me. And we'll see that here in a second for those of them watching on YouTube. And uh, when we got to the back, Joe was pissed at me. He was so mad because I hit him really hard with the title or I mean with the chair. Yep. And I, I told him, I was like, hey, man, y'all are losing the titles for, you know, I thought you'd want it to be that hard. And he was like, well, I did. But man, it hurt really bad. <laughs> so, so we uh, we uh, here we go. We Here's had, the moment you're talking about. Yeah, He's this is exactly what I was up. talking about. Is talking. Boom. Boom. Down. Yeah. It was, it was, and here it comes. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, a boom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Beautiful. And they're, they're out to get us. We stole one. And what do you do when you steal something? You get the F out of charge. <laughs> you run away, run away, run away. Who was behind your push to win the tag titles? <sighs> you know what? I, I don't know that. I don't know that, but I do know that Sean, uh, always pushed for us. And I don't know if he, you know, if he knew, look, I think when he felt like I got to get surgery on my back, then, then I think a decision was made to kind of hasten things up a little bit. Um, but so I, and I know Russo, Vince Russo was, uh, was pitching for us too. Like, as we were in his ear a lot, we talked to him a lot. And so, yeah, I don't really know who the one guy was, but I know if you're going to get put with two top guys, you need to start looking like top guys on television. And that's basically what these three, four months did for us was they just, like I said, we just made fun of people and then beat them. And then, you know what I mean? Like we were just, just running through people and, and making fun of them and holy mackerel, like what's, what are these guys doing? And so they were propping us up for sure. And whether whether it was for DX uh, or not is, is, I don't know. I don't know that, but I know once the decision made that Sean, had, you know, Sean had to make, I know that's when we started running fast. So. 
right after this at the DX pay-per-view, you and Billy defend the tag titles again against LOD, and you retain after a DQ when Hawk uses Henry Godwin's slop bucket and attacks you both. <laughs> it makes you laugh thinking about it. Yeah. Talk to me about this. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, look, I loved uh, I loved Henry Godwin. <laughs> I still do. I saw him at uh, WrestleCon uh-huh. um, uh, a week or two ago, and uh, man, saw him in in in. Uh, Phineas, Pig, uh, what, what great guys. So, yeah, I always loved working around and with them. But, yeah, he for real, he hit us with a slide. I think he hit me or he hit me so hard I don't remember. Uh, but but hit one of us with a slop bucket. We got uh, They got DQ'd. We hold on to the titles. To me, that's – and we were heels at the time. Like, you know, once we joined DX, things happened and, and uh, you know – uh, we moved over to the babyface category, but 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 we were heels at the time, and so to to scoop that up and to run out of there and to uh, I forgot what we were talking about. To tell you the truth, Ryan, I'm. That's all right. We're talking slot bucket and all- slot bucket. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, I, slot bucket. Remember, he hit me real hard. So it's bong <laughs> bong resin chair shots and slot buckets. Um, but yeah, so so. I liked how do you protect your guys, uh, your big baby faces that are the road warriors? You know what I mean? You have them go so physically crazy that it uh, that they get disqualified. Right, right. And that and and people can understand that you ever got so mad and done something you wish you hadn't. Well, that's what that's what that kind of finish tells me. Like Hawk's so mad. He didn't care what happened. He wanted to kill us. You know what I mean? And that protects them and we keep the titles. And so I, you know, but people always get into uh, those are philosophical and psychological arguments that really don't have any place because it's pro wrestling. You know what I mean? So it's again, we're the masters of our own destiny. We can do whatever we want to do. So how are we going to, what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? You know what I mean? So you guys are now picking up momentum. You have the vote of confidence from the office building and building and building. Do you start to feel like this is where the where the reality of the whole scene is changing up? And this is maybe what's swaying the tide of the Monday Night Wars and starting to bring WWE back up into the mix of of taking the taking the title of being the best at that point. Yeah, for sure. Um, look, and you and we felt that too. Um, but we also were like a, a solid team, like everybody was very different then, man. And I, and I say this and I don't mean any disrespect to anybody, but everybody could everybody could go. Everybody could work. Everybody uh, knew their spot and knew what to do and how to do it and where to be and when to be there. And and uh, and so it was just a really cool time in the industry. So while we kind of knew there was this war going on, we were just running our race. We literally, the only thing I remember ever watching from WCW was the cruiserweights um, because I thought they were really cool. I hadn't seen a lot of luchadors. Uh, or a and, lot that's, of, and that's absolutely what brought a lot of my non-wrestling friends in the college era, you know, age range that kind of casually liked it, watched it when they were younger, but they started seeing the cruiserweights and then yeah. they started tuning in a bit Man, more. Man, it was so cool. And they had, uh, you know, Dean and Eddie and uh, Ray and Psycho. Ray and Psycho. Yeah, all, all who Hoovy Juice, Juice, baby. Um, Yeah. And so it was just what an incredible cast of cruiserweights they had. And so that's what I was into was watching them and thinking like, oh, God, I'll never do any of that. Uh, But it was really fun to watch. So so we were 
embroiled in a ratings war, but we were just running our race. You know what I mean? We never really looked over at them to say, uh, we're catching you or we're beating you. We just ran our race until we were out in front. You know what I mean? And we ran our race for 83 weeks, apparently, uh, because that's how long they beat us for. You know what I mean? And it was a team effort. And when I look back at that team, I'm proud of those guys. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's kind of weird and surreal and hard to believe that I'm one of them. You know what I mean? That, that, that played a part in maybe turning that tide, maybe making the show a little more attractive. You know what I mean? And that's, that's humbling to be quite honest with you, but it's also cool to watch it. The next night on Raw, you and Billy are involved against the LOD and even Dude Love. Does this tend to happen <laughs> a lot in WWE Creative when a hot act gets over and then they're all of a sudden included in multiple, multiple segments and stories? Yes, uh, but I think it's that way in a lot of different companies uh, and not just wrestling companies, like a lot of like something, you know, a song gets over and they play it to death uh, on the radio. And so so it's almost like, oh, God, I hate this song. Um but yeah, so so I forgot the question again. Shit. No, you're fine. It's all, it, it just it, it's just that vibe of, of you were all of a sudden in a position months earlier, four months, five months earlier, where you were hoping to get some TV time, and now you're in this segment, that segment, multiple segments on each show. Is there an increase in pressure knowing you're having that, or are you just having the time of your life that? it's less pressure and it's more we're going out there and doing what we know how to do. And we're going to go rock this tonight and make these people go crazy. Yeah. So it was definitely the latter. Like we, we were just having a blast and we were, and when, you know, that's all DX was DX was about fun. Uh, but it was also about, we could all turn it up. You know what I mean? We could all turn it on if we had to and look like, cause the diff, the deal is you can be a chicken crap. You can run away. You can, you know, DQ, whatever, however you get a skate by. But once you, uh, start, God darn it, dude, I'm really screwing this up and I'm sorry. No, you're We're gonna okay. edit We're... this out, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Here, let's go back to this question. We'll just cut the whole segment, and then we'll. we'll okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. The next night on Raw, you and Billy are involved against the Legion of Doom, and also in another segment against Dude Love. Does this happen a lot in creative, where once an act gets over, you're including them in all these multiple segments, almost to the point where potentially you 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 can you can put them too much in people's faces. Yeah. You can oversaturate the market with yourself. Um, but yeah, look, we do in the WWE. I think a lot of people do that. They, they find something good and they beat it in the ground and, and WWE is definitely no, no different than that. But what the good thing was, was we had like four guys in the faction. So you could see us several times in the show, but it was like actually each little wrestling match or whatever, and maybe a backstage or whatever. But, but yeah, we were, look, we were on the show a lot. Um, and, and that was good for me uh, personally. Um, professionally, I, I was just now catching on as we started doing this stuff. I was just catching on to, oh, well, I should do this. I was starting to think about my character and think about how to, what should I say here? And at first I've been just playing and now it's, it's time to get serious. You know what I mean? And uh, that did add a little more pressure to me, to be quite honest with you. When, once I started trying to, to be a, a businessman with myself.
You know what I mean? That's a lot of guys can do that. Jeff Jarrett's got great business acumen. Hunter always had great business acumen. You know what I mean? Those are guys that like manage their money well and did, <laughs> you know, did things that normal humans do. Uh, but I wasn't one of those guys. Well, let's get back to stuff that you would do. You talked about walking through the airport when you first won wearing the title. Wearing the belt. <laughs> does that bring negative attention or does it generally just bring positive attention that, hey, you're the WWF champion? Yeah, no, it, it definitely brought a little bit of both from the talent, uh, from, from the boys and girls in the locker room. Like it, it they, you know, they laughed, <laughs> that's funny. But then like, I still had it on like an hour later. <laughs> and so I definitely got, uh, dogged a little bit for it, but I also got some people that thought it was funny, but look, it's, it's a story we're talking about. And, uh, and, and man, they were, Road Warriors were hot. We were wearing them. <laughs> when you're hot, you're hot. And when the confidence yeah. is exuding, you got to put it out there for the world. You got to put it out there. Speaking of putting it out there for the world and hot and confidence, why don't we take a quick break and talk about our esteemed sponsor for this episode, Blue Chew. Guys, confidence can take you far in life, and it can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. And that's where Blue Chew steps in. Dog, you know about this because Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the price. You could take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready when that spontaneous moment comes up. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription with things. And the best part, it's all done online, so no visit to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA, and they're prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Dog, what do you think, man? Women say there's nothing sexier than confidence, and if you didn't know, Blue Chew can help give you the confidence where it counts. So if you can benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code DOG at checkout and just pay $5 at shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code DOG, to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. Strong like, like bull. bull. <laughs> yeah, that's a good stuff. <laughs> I love the music behind it. Like that's I mean, that's the seduction. That's the Is seduction. that what was going on? That's the anticipation. That's the, yeah, it, the blood it tickled. Going. It tickled a little. Ooh, a little bit of the tingle. Yeah, like climbing the rope in gym class. we better get back to wrestling this is oh you didn't know after dark starring (laughs) ryan smiley (laughs) all right getting back into it with the moment that looks back at a monumental moment on a raw taping in durham new hampshire a career moment takes place you're officially referred to as the road dog for the first time let's take a look at this right here Let's throw some audio on. It. Oh, wait, no, wait, do, wait, not, wait. Do, do not, do not I mean, play this audio. Say, I mean, 
this, this is, I mean, oh, maybe it's not. Maybe it's life. not the same. I just this was a great time in my life. Senior yeah, year well, it was a great time. Great time in mine too. Yeah. Uh, we could probably drop the audio. Dude, love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you know, and this is the thing is, I, I realize, like, because look, I don't remember. Uh, oh, that's why, because he worked with Billy, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he was just beating Billy last week, and then I cracked him with a chair. For those of you watching, I hit him really hard with a chair. I have some notes about Billy doing the ring introduction. I think we might have our clips mixed up. Uh, but it's all right. We'll get back to this. Okay. Uh, do, do you remember Billy doing the ring introduction for you in the beginning? Yes. Yes. He did it once. I think I, I think I lost my voice or something. Is that and here he, actually right now? Let's, yeah. let's see. Yes. He's still so cool as a cucumber, man. I, I can't, I, you know, at this point, I still can't believe they put the titles on us. <laughs> oh, so I'm I'm wrestling Mick Foley. Yeah, it was a straight little clip from before. But, yeah, I oh, wrestled. That was, that was last week. And we were seeing the clip from yes, last Yes, yes. He beat Billy last week, and now he's going to beat me this week. <laughs> like I said before, it takes a good man to beat me. It just don't take him long. Billy coming down to the ring on that introduction was so casually calm. I know yeah. at the performance center, I used to p p uh, preach to people, energy, energy, energy. And he was just very smooth. I don't know if you remember, uh, he did commentary on something. Maybe it's this match. I don't know. Uh, but he does commentary. And if you listen to the audio, it's just like that, too. He's like, oh, Thank you. He's almost like sweaty balls. You know what I mean? Like, uh, thank you very much. Right. When, when you got to the back, was it like, uh, maybe you should hand that <laughs> microphone to me? Yeah. He said, man, I don't think I should do that anymore. And I said, yeah, I don't think you should either. <laughs> so right now, I, you guys also came out to the wing, uh, to the ring wearing the South Park shirts for yeah. this match. And, and we keep bringing this up last week a couple of times. We keep getting questions from our fans, too, about the South Park About shirt. the South Park shirt. Yeah, yeah, we'll look there. You're wearing those. Yeah, no, go ahead. South Park was so over. And look, we, we talked about it on this on this episode, and I'm sure we will uh, in the second half of it or whatever. But how fast the meteoric rise of the New Age Outlaws came. They didn't have any shirts. We weren't a part of DX yet, so they didn't have any merch made. Uh, and, and that's so, what I was going to ask. At what point do you start asking for your own T-shirts? Or is that something you don't do and you wait till they approach you? So, so, so I don't know. I know nowadays a lot of talent goes, hey, I want a T-shirt. I never. Look, it was a different time all the way around the world for the business and everything. You know what I mean? Like uh, it, it was a different things were different then. And so we just I can't I'm, I'm getting distracted. I'm sorry. No, I just, you're, you're for, the, for those of you that are watching, <laughs> I just need him in the stomach so hard. I, I think I screwed the spot up, but I'm not sure. <laughs> So Billy is on commentary during this match and yeah. dude eventually gets the win. But the real story is what happens afterwards. You can attempt to throw dude off the stage. Oh gosh. Yes. But then he resists until you throw a referee into him and he takes a bump off through a table. Yeah. And well, the, the, the bad news is uh, he missed the table. 
at the table fell down with him, but he did not fall down on the table. Like, it, and it was one of those crappy plastic tables too. Like, it wasn't a good oh. Dudley. We call them Dudley tables actually now. Um, and it wasn't a good Dudley Which are table. Hard to find nowadays. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, they are. You gotta you gotta buy them in bulk when you can get them. Um, we but yeah, as we're watching furniture so, rental place and pick up like twenty slightly damaged for like yeah. five to ten dollars each to try to save. Yeah, some we're just we're just gonna break them all tonight. Uh, but yeah, Jack. Uh, yeah, I don't know what Big we were. All, I don't know what we were all thinking. Taking bumps on that steel graded stage. Well, I mean, um, now that's where everyone takes the old matches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was kind of like that. So, yeah, this was, if you watch this, this was uh, this was bad for me. I mean, he's taken that bump several times where he would jump off the, the uh, stage and drop an elbow on somebody. So he kind of takes it like that, but it's not pretty. Uh, and it didn't. It didn't seem pretty when he took it. Oh, there goes the, oh my, and, and the yeah. table. Yeah, you see the over. table, he just, he skipped off the table straight to the concrete. So I don't know if that helped him at all, but he just fell down there a long way <laughs> to Mick the concrete. Foley's body's built like a skipping rock. Yeah, yeah, bless his heart, man. He took some serious bumps for us, and uh, that was just for us. You know, he's taken some serious bumps for everybody. <laughs> but, but we were concerned, as you can tell here, if you're watching by way of television you can tell we were concerned and we wanted to help cactus are you okay are you okay you know what then we just put the boots to him what he what heals you know what i mean so as this is going on did you know you were going to be in a long-term program with foley or is this kind of just another weekly episode and you're just doing doing the job of the week no no at this point we knew we were going to go to uh terry funk and and mick foley and so we were we were getting the heat <laughs> and uh and so there it was and uh i think the next next thing we'll watch is probably terry coming out and then beating the crap out of all of us but you know it was so fast and rapid fire that you don't you think surely they don't have a plan but but they did they had a plan they were writing 52 weeks of television a year you know what i mean just like we were and uh and they they've got a plan sometimes that plan is altered by an injury or something like that but you have a big picture and then you book your way to it you know what i mean how much fun is it when you really get you to uh, get to sink your teeth into a deep angle? You know, when you get to try out the acting chops, when there's more emotion involved and it's not just going and doing the match, but there's all the extras that involve riling up and playing the emotions of the crowd. Well, that's look, that was the fun part to me. To me, the wrestling is look, I've said it a million times. There ain't a dime in wrestling. Uh, and that's just that's how I believe that will anger a lot of people. Uh Brian Danielson, probably one of them. But but if you think about uh, the, the real great wrestlers, um, until they got a great character or, or a character at all that I could get, get emotionally invested in, they're they're just great wrestlers. You know what I mean? So uh, so, you know, wrestling wasn't wasn't the biggest thing for me. I'd love to be an actor. I would love to to uh, try different challenges like that. I'd love to be on color commentary. I love doing this right with you right now. I'm trying something new. But yeah, this was an opportunity to really sink your uh, teeth into a storyline where I have a definite enemy and I can think of promos in the car ride. I can think of because then I have a, a directed focus. You know what I mean? A singular focus on the, this team. What can we do? Oh, man, what if we did this? You know what I mean? So it's it's yeah. Once you can kind of sink your teeth into a story and you're not just kind of showing up and working on shotgun Saturday night and then maybe eating catering. Uh, yeah, that's when the juices start flowing and you kind of turn it on, you know.
as you bring up those promos and the car rides, what's your process? Are you a pen and paper person or are you a verbalize and just keep those lines and, and, and things in your head and then start putting line after line together and building the memorization kind of thing? Look, I, nine times out of 10, I would come up with the rhymes for the city and then I would just kind of flow the rest of the way. So I wasn't a pen to paper guy. I did come up with words that would rhyme or something that, that, reminds me of that city. Uh, like, I don't know if anybody ever remembers North Carolina being called North Kakalaki, uh, but that was like, I forget who the wrestler even was that said it, but I'll never forget that. So every time I had a promo with that in it, I would say it like that. You know what I mean? Like it would just be, I would be have things that started me off like a catalyst, but I, w- I wouldn't put pen to paper, but I'll tell you a story. I, I you know, John Cena is probably the best promo guy I've ever uh, seen. And he was very much pen to paper. And he was spend a lot of time with pen to paper with a writer um, and and coming up with this stuff that's, I mean, it's legendary, you know what I mean? And so it makes me think like, man, and John also was like big on his T-shirts and making sure they got new ones coming out at this time. And you know what I mean? Like he was a smart businessman. Um, that's, not, told- look, that's not who I am now. It dang sure wasn't who I was then. (laughs) (laughs) Later that night, DX, Sean and Hunter, take on the Legion of Doom in the main event. You and Billy jump the rail, and you literally throw ether in a rag (laughs) and suffocate Hawk, putting him to sleep. I mean, as I repeat that, you ethered the man inside the ring. These are cool moments that stand out as, (laughs) as, as... I mean, groundbreaking, edge pushing, like all of these things. How fun was that for you to to get to do something like that? Man, and this was in the main event of the show. And and uh, for us to be involved even in that. And then Sean and... and, and uh, there you are right now. Yeah. <laughs> Sean and and, uh, Hunter and China and Legion of Doom are in there and we're coming out and and doing something to cause it. You know what I mean? Like that was a, yeah, it was a big deal to me. Um, China hit the low blow. You've got the ether. Animal goes down and we're, then you go to shave Hawk's mohawk and put animal. This is is just mind blowing right here. That that mohawk means so much. I mean, as as someone who shaves their head, anytime I have any sort of growth and I'm going to do a clean shave, it starts with a double mohawk hawk style. And then you fix it. Like ever since I'm 22 and shave. Like, I mean, and how long has he had that? uh, Forever. That, what was it? Op- opposite Hawk. I don't know what I don't, I don't know what his was called, but uh, yeah, we look for those two guys, Hawk and Animal, to to allow this to go on. Like that's we talked a little bit earlier about doing business. Like this was doing business, man. This was passing a torch to uh, to some new kids that were unfounded and unproven, uh, but they. They, Hawk and Animal, and they, the office, trusted us enough to do this. Um, And, man, I watched it back the other day, and I just thought, holy mackerel, we did that to the Road Warriors. (laughs) It's unbelievable to me. I mean, you're rubbing shoulders with and associated with the top heels, the top superstars, the legends of the business. Is this the biggest moment of your career, obviously, up to this point? Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, you know, here you go. You guys are setting gonna, up yeah. the big, the big, oh, the big four-way, power bomb, four-way power bomb through the table. 
Man, and look, we're pointing at him and laughing and like we're really having fun. Um, and, Sorry, and- just looking at this clip, I'm actually fascinated how long the style of WWE commentary table has stayed the same. Like yeah. in terms of the way, look, it breaks, it breaks, breaks good. It falls apart good. <laughs> if it ain't, if it ain't broke or it does break, don't. No, I'm not sure. Say. Yeah, I'm not sure what to say after yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, we, look, the damage wasn't done. We shaved one of his uh, mohawks or his, his sides of his head. We put Joe through the announce table, and now Billy's gonna drop a leg on Hawk. And then Sean drops an elbow on Hawk. Like we really did a number on him. And then for the audience watching at home, I mean, this is almost just jaw to the floor thinking, how is this happening to such a dominant team in the Road Warriors, the LOD? And this is the emergence of something new growing. But as I say that, as the segment kind of came to the end and winds down, it doesn't show completely that you guys, Sean and Hunter, are on the same page. Were were, Were you all talking about officially becoming a part of DX or is this kind of a slow build once again? Yeah, they were trying. Look, it was so fast once it started that they were trying to at least tease the I mean, I think, look, when you saw this, you knew where we were going. And that happens a lot nowadays, too. When you see something, you're trying to tease a turn or you're trying to do something. So they, we were keeping it, keeping it kind of coy right here. Like, hey, look at us. No, no, look at us. And so uh, but you look, if you didn't know where we were going, I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's kind of the same when you see a turn coming from a mile away and you go, well, that's how they do it in wrestling. Sometimes you see it coming. You know what I mean? Because if you want to, for- if you- everyone's out there right now, They're if you want to foreshadow, <laughs> look at the dance skills. That might oh, be man. where Mojo Rowley learned his skills yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, it might be. See, look, not bad, not bad. Yeah. Sean, Sean putting us over. That's, I mean, that's putting us over right there, dude. That's that's what you call uh, brushing elbows with a star and then that star going, all right, not bad. You know what I mean? He knew what to get on TV. Uh, I said it. Pat Patterson was there in the background. Vince was checking on Animal. All the officials were oh, out yeah. there. This was being sold as something just extraordinary and that you guys kind of went over the line. So when you got to the back, <laughs> What was the reaction to the angle? Is everyone happy? Are you happy? Yeah, I, we were all extremely happy. I don't think uh, the Road Warriors were, but but I don't think they were. I mean, they let us do it, so it's like they not, weren't against it. They just probably weren't happy with it. And truth be told, I wouldn't be happy with it either. You know what I mean? You're kind of getting used and abused. And if you think about it, they they never got their get back. You know what I mean? Like they didn't, they had another chance and they got DQ'd or something. And then we kind of just went in, in a different direction. And so they, they really, man, they put us on the map and I cannot thank those two guys uh, enough. And gentlemen, we will lock up again uh, one time on that, that uh, pay-per-view in the sky. The next week on raw cactus Jack makes his return uh, from Long Island, and he takes you on, but it's only a couple of minutes in before Billy interferes, and you brawl back to the same ramp where you threw Dude Love off, and in classic Jim Cornette fashion, there it is. <laughs> There's a giant box on the stage. Oh, my Lord. So and then the one, all of a sudden. The only thing I remember out of this whole night, and you'll see me, I'm trying to back up in here in a second, like, a, oh, look, there's a saw. Oh, there's a saw coming out. There's, there's a saw. <laughs> Look, so there's a there's a saw. 
So he did like the first three things where he just kind of cut lines in them. And so we just sat there and, uh, and then he realized uh, he had to make the door. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, Wiley Coyote. And, uh, and then when he comes out, you'll see when he's walking down the ramp, swinging this thing in a circle, there is gasoline flying everywhere. Look, you see. I was thinking it was sparks, but as you're saying, that's just the no, liquid. Wa- wa- no, watch right, uh, uh, right yeah. here. There's fluid. You see fluid oh, yep, coming yep, up, yep, yep. <laughs> like, and the whole place oh, is just God. reeking of of gas, and everybody's coming out like, "Hey, what's going on here?" So it's always uh, fun at the Halloween horror, you know, haunted houses when when the bad guys have the chainsaws, but those don't have chains on them. <laughs> uh, he had to cut through real wood right yes. there. And we're yes. talking about Perry Funk, yeah. Uh, as, as someone who, who's been around him and and had fire <laughs> and a branding iron brandished at me from him as well. Uh, what do you do when Terry Funk comes running at you with the live chainsaw? You just saw what me and Billy did. We <laughs> ran. Know, that's probably as fast as I've ever ran in my life. I, I I'm just I, I remember seeing this as I mean I could talk about this was just that age. Uh, I was blown away. You're like, what the heck is going on? And being a fan, know it's Terry Funk, and then just like, why is Terry Funk wearing pantyhose over his face? <laughs> why does he have a chainsaw? It, it was wild. Yeah, so because chainsaw- he's because he's Terry Funk. That's what, Charlie. Yeah, no, go ahead. That's what he's he he's Terry Funk. Like you don't, it doesn't matter if he wears the pantyhose on his legs and the high heel shoes. Like he's Terry Funk. And for me, holy mackerel, it meant so much to me to be in the ring with him. And he was he was older now. You know what I mean? And I again I'm we're working with an older guy who I, I'm young and, and want to go, and he does too. You know what I mean? It was like, holy crap. He throws a left hand out of nowhere that will knock you into next week. And you're gonna get hit with about 15 of those per match. So so he was a, he was one of the toughest men I've ever been in the ring with. And that and that doesn't mean he's the baddest. It just means he's the toughest. Nothing could hurt him, man. And me and Billy we so didn't try, kind. but we we almost tough, did. Tough, but so kind. He was. Oh, what a baby so face! Gentle and kind. And yeah, his friendly. whole family was that way. His I, whole I family was, was that way, and, and I don't know where he because you look at the the father, the the brother. They were not Terry, but Terry. He, I guess, he was a little like like me. He was the young wild one. You know what I mean? He was the young crazy one. Uh, and I used to. I hope he's doing okay. You know what I mean? I, I know Mick Foley went and visited him not long ago. Um, I hope he's doing okay because we had a great time. This was, you know, after the Road Wars put us on the map. Terry Funk and Mick Foley kind of car- carried us and established that okay these guys are for real so i can't thank those four individuals enough you know and i I, I hope terry's doing all right i get it for me too i was absolutely humbled he actually talks about uh, he tells a story about me and his biography and and says that vince should look me up as a cameraman in this book (laughs) when i worked with him at xpw so like he was just always the most amazing person and yeah I had one Terry Funk story, if I can go on a, on a tangent. XPW, Terry Funk versus Shane Douglas, Viking Hall, ECW Arena. Uh, they, they take the match to the outside. I don't know why they go outside when like the whole arena can't see anything.
everything because there's no screens in there. <laughs> but they go to the outside, and Terry takes a bottle from the from the ground, breaks it on the wall, and randomly slices his arm. I don't know why, but legit muscle falling out of his arm. And, and, and Shane's like, "We're going to the finish. Just we're 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 taking it back in there and going home." They they, they go to a finish. It's over. But then after the match, Terry then grabs Shane's valet and starts pile driving her, and, and, and just continues for like ten more minutes of nonsense. Yeah. Gets to the back and slowly sitting there in the locker room, slowly lacing his uh, unlacing his boots as Shane comes in there, pissed off of what are you, what are you doing? Why'd you do that and all this? And starts wanting to quote fight Terry. Yeah. And Terry just sits there like the legend he is, as Shane's just getting hot in his face, just like, go ahead, Shane. Do something. You ain't got no balls, Shane. You ain't got no balls, Shane. It, it, it just always stuck with me of just tearing from so cool, man. That's how cool he is. He <laughs> so, cuts himself with a bottle, makes Shane mad, and then punks Shane out. But that, but look, that's what he I probably wouldn't have fought him either. Like I just because you don't know the guy is tough as nails and and comes off as certifiable at points. Especially when you're putting your match together. Brian, if right there, I where I light my cowboy hat on fire and I climb up that ladder. And, oh, holy mackerel, Terry, we should we should talk to somebody about this. Oh yeah. So 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 here he's not Terry, he's Chainsaw Charlie. And and all right. Did you guys? I'm going to go back to all these names. We got Chainsaw Charlie, yeah. but we're also getting to Billy calling himself the badass at this point. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have to get clearance, or was it just like you call him that? So, so I had called him that a couple times on TV prior to that, and then it just stuck. Look, it, it always Vince always wanted a character called Billy Badass. And that's what he he's to this day. He wants a character called Billy Badass. And so we met him in the middle with Badass Billy. You know what I mean? And and, uh, and so, yeah, we were. But but you can feel even in the names are getting a little edgier. We're starting to push the envelope a little bit like, oh, but he's a badass. Oh, this guy says, suck it. Oh, that guy says, you know, so we're getting a little edgier and uh, and moving quickly but then uh, on the contrast of edgy names we're talking putting a legend in the name of chainsaw charlie did you think it was hokey in any way i mean i'm a senior in college and i like and love the legend of terry funk so at this point i'm like foot the walk what are we doing here <laughs> yeah yeah look i love uh that's our, there's our next t-shirt too is uh foot the walk um but but for me it was terry it was Terry Funk. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, they could have called him, uh, you know, Barbarelli Bimbo and I wouldn't have cared. It was Terry Funk. And it's, you know, it's the same with today's They Oh, they changed his name or they changed so-and-so's name. It's man. It's the same dude. It's the same guy. If you like Terry Funk, you like Chainsaw Charlie, like get over it. Um, but, but I've always felt that way. And I know I'm, Oh, sorry. There's an earthquake in here. Um, I know I'm, uh, alone when I think that I know a lot of people go, oh, that mean, it means everything. They changed his name. Well, you know, in six months, he's changed on Charlie. Nobody, you know what I mean? Nobody cares. You talked about other wrestlers having the business acumen earlier, the hunters and, and things like that. But every time you start talking about things like this, you seem to have a really keen business acumen in putting the fact that you're doing a job and that this is work and you work for a boss and you do what's told and don't seem to let a lot of the other things get in the way 
of of your growth progress and or just career trajectory. I, I, I do find it interesting, the more and more we talk, that, that we see this side of you that's able to put that ego to the side and, and do the job. Well, and look, I, I, this sounds like a backhanded compliment to myself, but uh, I, I look, I have an ego. There's no doubt about that. I have an ego. I think we all do. I don't like mine. I like to control it a little more. And I also think, look, one time I told my dad, I came home and I go, yeah, they wanted me to do a job for so-and-so. And like, he smacked me in the back of the head and said, job? Like, and I said, yeah, yes, sir. They wanted me to get beat. And he said, you got a job, don't you? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, so get beat. <laughs> he said, you want to keep that job? You know, that's just how dad, that's how my dad did it. My dad was more like, uh, you want to get over? Good, do it. You know what I mean? You want to, you want to get paid? You want to pay the bills? You want to uh, feed your family? You want to support your family in a good, for a good life? Yeah, do what you're asked to do and do it to the best of your ability. And, and if you can get over, get over. And that's, you know, that's, I feel like that's what we did, me and Billy. You know what I mean? It, we, it didn't take us long yep. to kind of get everybody's attention, and we started running. And they trusted us, man. They put the titles on us. They put us in all these big angles, and they trusted us with our timing, with our uh, promo skills, with our in-ring ability. They trusted us. And, man, that, that feels pretty good because I wasn't, wasn't that long in the business at the time. You know what I mean? I, I still had no idea what I was doing in the ring. Talking about your dad, the Funks and the Armstrongs, there's a lot of professional wrestling history right there. Can you explain that to our listeners? I mean, th these families go back. Yeah, there's a story about my dad uh, working with uh, Dory for the title in Columbus, Georgia, like uh, and, and right down the street at the fairgrounds was Elvis Presley. Uh, performing and dad and Dory outdrew them. So I don't know how true that story is, but they outdrew Elvis is, is the story I've been told for a really long time now. Um, but yeah, the funks have been in, you know, rest, they're wrestling royalty. Um, and I think, you know, that we could throw the Armstrong name around in there. Like dad, dad didn't have a brother that wrestled, but he had four sons. You know what I mean? And we've done pretty well for ourselves in the business. Uh, and, in life, if I must say so myself, but, uh, but yeah, so, so look, Armstrong's and funk go way back. That's that. I, I appreciate you suggesting that the Armstrong's are wrestling, uh, legends and royalty. And I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think, uh, I don't think our family name gets enough attention to be quite honest with you. Cause I know we weren't worldwide. I know, uh, when they first started, they were just in the Southeast, but man, my dad used to draw. They used to bring my dad around because he drew. He drew. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I did not get to, I, I, I did not ask my dad about wrestling psychology and wrestling philosophies and booking psychology. And when I was with him uh, and the last 10 years I was sober and then the last two, he, he lived with me and everything. We talked about a lot of stuff, but we didn't talk a whole lot about wrestling. Um, and that's, that was a good thing. However, I wish today, right now, that I could talk to him one more time and say, Dad, you know, what, what was your philosophy on the, on the, on the territory's baby face? Like, would he, you know, and just, and just hear his feedback. Uh, because yeah, he did it. He did it, man. And I, I couldn't be prouder than to be Bullet Bob's baby boy. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it makes me happy. 
Awesome. To think, just to think about him, you know, I think about Brad too. I'd love to call Brad and say, Hey man, I got this podcast, uh, but he's, he's watching too. I don't, I don't mean to bring us down and and, and I don't mean that. I don't no, feel like, I don't feel like it brings us down. There's a lot of pride in what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's my heart, man. It's my family. And, and uh, very proud, very proud of that. Being from a traditional wrestling family, how did your brothers and dad take to the attitude era? Yeah, they look, they loved it. They, they all loved it. They all loved seeing baby brothers succeed. Um, and that's, that's how it is in my family. Like we are a close family, so close that we'll punch each other, but don't you dare try to punch any of us. Uh, and that's just, that's just how it goes, uh, from in my neck of the woods. But yeah, so we, you know, we, we had a good time. We love each other. We support each other. And so when I was doing well, they were doing well and they were loving it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So this is what closed out 1997. And before we get into what's going to become the biggest moments of your career to this point in 1998, let's take a couple of minutes to hear from our sponsors so we could get back into it and give the people what they want some more stories. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. By now, you know that everything is crazy overseas and well, that's created some volatility in the market. We actually saw rates tick down a little bit this week. We don't know how long it'll stay that way. All the experts are predicting that there is going to be a rate hike this month in the month of March. Some are saying 25 basis points. Others are saying 50. What does that mean? It means waiting will cost you money. And by the way, I want to mention this is still a once in a lifetime opportunity just based on your real estate values. You see, all of a sudden your house is worth considerably more than it was just a couple of years ago. And as a result, you can use that newfound equity to change your your life. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners take their 30 year loan and pay it off in half the time. And how can they afford to do that without their payments going sky high? We get rid of all their other debt. And I mean it as a heads up. What would you do if you had no credit card debt? Just like that. It was all paid off. How much easier would life be if those car payments They're out of here. No more car payments. That is the story that we're able to help our friends and family with at SaveWithConrad.com. You see, the interest you pay on your credit cards, not tax deductible, and sky high. The interest you pay on your car loans. Buddy, where is that going? What if we could restructure all of your debt, use some of this newfound equity, and at the same time, get you out of debt faster? You see, what we're talking about is reducing the time on your mortgage. Yes, we're going to get you a great rate, but if you're in a 30-year loan, think about what your life looks like 30 years from now. Man, life gets a lot easier when you're completely debt-free, and that's what we want to help you do. And by the way, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And oh, as a heads up, if you've been thinking, hey man, 
I like my house, but my kitchen's kind of outdated. What if we could get you the cash you need to turn your average kitchen into something your wife loves and it wouldn't change your monthly payment at all? Why wouldn't you do that? You see, you'd be reinvesting back in your own property. That's going to make your house worth even more. And oh yeah, you can do it with cheaper monthly payments at savewithconrad.com. Now I know it sounds too good to be true, but I want you to go check out our reviews for yourself. See what some of our new family members are saying at conradreviews.com. You'll see there, we've got over a thousand verified reviews. Our average rating is 4.72. And if we were a restaurant with a thousand reviews and a 4.72 rating, I know where you're eating dinner and I know where you need to do your next loan. It's savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? That's savewithconrad.com. All right, we're back. And, dog, the first Raw in 1998, you guys main event against the Headbangers. Just three months before, you were having (laughs) issues getting on TV. And now here, you and Billy are in the main event of the first Raw of 98. What a difference 90 day makes, right? Well, I mean, that's that's totally true. And it just goes to show how fast uh, that rocket, you know, that rocket they strapped on us, how fast it was, because it shot us straight to the main event. And, and, uh, you know, from a writer's standpoint, like, that doesn't sound like even in my mind right now, like I would hate to be the lead writer of Raw and go, yeah, tonight we got the Outlaws versus the Headbangers. Uh, that, that's a good crossover match, but it's not the main event. But was there a big angle out of that? Or did we do anything? Or did we just win? I, I mean, you guys just won that, and I think it was just the beginning. I mean, there was a bit of an angle, but it was just yeah. the establishment of we're starting the year with with you guys are coming out on top and establishing. The fact that we're the main event of the show is jaw-dropping to me. Uh, the fact that three months had gone by when me and Billy were wrestling each other and trading victories uh, on different television shows and pay-per-views. And now here we are, the main event of Monday Night Raw, the flagship show of the biggest wrestling company, uh, entertainment conglomerate in the world. You know what I mean? And so- And then you you continue to step it up. I mean, main event of that. But then you you, you join alongside Shawn Michaels and you're a part of his last Madison Square Garden match for four years on January 10th. It's you, Billy, and HBK taking on The Undertaker and LOD. <laughs> That's oh. a hell of a main event. I got to be mean, honest. We just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I was if I was an attendee at that live event, I would be satisfied. Is that the validation you needed that everything was finally working and clicking? Yeah. Look, to be quite honest, I think it uh it I realized it a little earlier than this, but during that period of time, we may have entered a lot of Madison Square Gardens. Uh, back then, a lot of the time, say the Undertaker was the main eventer. He was the he was the guy that you thanked for the house, uh, and so sometimes he would go on fifth. and then they'd go to intermission and then put like the tag title match on main event, and that that was you know, a a luxury that Taker had where he didn't have to stay there all night. You know what I mean? And that was just everybody doing their thing. But we, we may have ended a lot of those and it it, look, that's what I was talking about with, they put their trust in us and they, they ran with it and they let us go. Um, and, and look, I think we produced. I don't think they did it foolishly. I think we produced. Uh, I mean, proof was in the pudding right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. At the Royal Rumble in Fresno, everything started changing again. First off, you take on the LOD and you guys retain again via DQ. We got into the fact that these things yeah. are big 
to protect teams, and this yeah. is good. Uh, but then as we keep going, later that night, Shawn Michaels takes a backdrop over the top rope and lands on the Undertaker's casket in the casket match. You guys were out there at that in that match. Do you remember seeing it at the time and thinking that something didn't look right about that bump, or is it something that took a little time to realize, hey, that's not just a little, you know, Soreness and, and yeah, yeah. It, it, look, as soon as as soon as Sean took all kind of crazy bumps, Sean took dropped elbows on tables off the ring apron. You know what I mean? Or the the turnbuckle? Like he he took a lot of bumps that looked like oh god, that just killed him. So uh, to me, it was just one of those. But then you can see shortly after um, him favoring it you know what i mean and 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 not moving so well um and that's when you can kind of tell from a performer standpoint it's like oh man he might have done something i don't know what it was but something's going on and so yeah we we didn't know the severity of it at the time uh but we knew it hurt him you know we could tell that wow also that night mike tyson made his first wwf appearance (laughs) did you get a chance to talk to tyson that night yeah, so I uh, went to meet him, and his big bodyguard was standing outside the thing. And I said, "Can I meet Mike Tyson?" And he said, "Who are you?" And I said, "I'm one of the wrestlers here." And he said, uh, uh, "Come back in like ten minutes." <laughs> I, I never went back because I was embarrassed. <laughs> but I talked to him in the, a, a bunch after that. You know what I mean? I just knew we were going to be working uh, when we were together later. I wanted to meet him and get a picture with him. You know what I mean? And never happened he was a controversial character was was, was there a feeling was everyone into the fact of tyson coming in or was there a contingency that felt it wasn't the right move no i think everybody was on board you know what i mean it was it was a big get and because he was controversial it makes it a bigger get you know what i mean and and it's uh you know the old saying is no no uh bad public there's no such thing as bad publicity uh with him i could argue that uh, i could beg to differ but it was exciting having him come there because he was a larger than life character and the bad man on the planet and all of a sudden it's crossover entertainment you know what i mean all of a sudden we got a the the baddest man on the planet here too uh and so yeah no it it didn't i don't know if we ever felt like we were turning a corner but it felt like we were we were going 90 miles an hour in a positive way um and everybody was talking about us now on January 26th at Raw, you and Billy take on Cactus in uh, Charlie in an all-out brawl. Uh, you go into the stands and the ring. Terry Funk hits you with the left hands you were talking about <laughs> earlier. Uh, it, it, that, that's a thing for you. I mean, we talked about it, but let, let's just go yeah. again because this is continuing. And now Foley's in the Cactus Jack role. So we're, we're getting old school. We're bringing back some nostalgia of seeing stuff that you probably watched earlier. We're familiar. It, What's this match mean to you? So, so look, I loved it. Uh, we came out with the catcher's mitt, uh, the catcher's helmets on, and the chest protector. I had knee pads or the uh, you know the catcher's knee shin guards on, um, and we knew we were just going to get in a big fight here, and uh, we were ready for it, and we were hoping they would be too, and we knew Terry Funk would be. Uh, Mick was always the same. Mick always worked good. Like he was in there, but he didn't hurt you, but he always was kind of like that. He, he'd hurt himself before he'd hurt you. Uh, thank God for that. But, uh, but yeah, I lo- look, I love this match. I think it's, I think it is great. I, and I watched it back. And like I said, again, man, I'm just appreciative of being, well, taking this walk down memory lane because seeing me in the ring with Terry Funk, uh, 
even though I know he's beating the fire out of me, it makes me happy. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's Terry Funk, man. And I got to work with him on a, on a huge platform too. You know what I mean? Wasn't like an indie show uh, where I got 1500 bucks and me and Terry did, you know, we did this little match. We were doing WrestleManias and stuff with him. You know what I mean? It's just so cool. Big things in this match. He does a moonsault (laughs) under three chairs. I mean, Terry's Terry's not young at this point. He he he's got some age going on. Yeah, but he he's still willing to do it all. Um, he's he's still willing to do it all. And so we look. Me and Billy beat the fire out of him, uh, old man or not. Uh, he's the toughest old man I've ever been in the ring with. Because he, you would hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here came that left man, and it would get your attention. And and, and you had to kind of fight him to keep him down too. He would he didn't play. You know what I mean? So it was fun. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he just look at him just staggering around. He's just Terry Funkin. You know what I mean? He's just Terry Funkin. And, and that's that's look, that's how I got my job. We talked about that match with uh, with uh, Bret Hart and Captain Kirk and Captain Kirk threw me out over the ring and I stood up and swung in a circle and fell down. And I stole all that from Terry Funk. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of what got me the gig uh, to begin with. But yeah, I stole all that from Terry. So being able to be in there and work with him, even though I wasn't a catcher's uniform, uh, was <laughs> was still incredible. There's a notable, uh, noticeable uptick in business, and on Super Bowl Sunday, the WWF runs the Core State Center in Philly, and you're in the main event, teaming with The Rock, taking on Austin, Chainsaw Charlie, and Cactus Jack, <laughs> with Triple H in China in your corner. The show draws 12,088 people. You're drawing a big house, dog. Yeah. Are you seeing the uptick in your paycheck right now and living that life? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. And as you can see, if you're watching at home on YouTube, I'm also trying to move out of the way while Terry Funk hits me all weird with chairs and the elbows and stuff. I was trying my best to turn my back over to him. Does um, the location of the house where you pick up supplies now change? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It has definitely, it has definitely my, my, uh, it's in a nicer neighborhood now. My, my check is larger. Um, my cars are nicer. Uh, they all told me to save my money. I thought they were all stupid. Here comes a moonsault from a 53-year-old man onto me oh, in chairs. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. That wasn't uh, even so sideways. I think he hurt his arm there. I do. I think he broke his arm. Um, oh. Yeah, for real. And I also wanted you to notice in the second bump and feed Billy Gunn does for, for Mick, Billy's so big and coming so fast, he actually knocked Mick down. (laughs) (laughs) But that's just look at Terry. Like, see, that one arm is hurting, but he ain't going to put it over. Yeah. All right. So Sean's not at the road on this uh, at this time due to his injury. Uh, Was this why Hunter and China were now put with you guys? And are there conversations between all of you of what this could be like if you guys were officially members? Well, you know, so. I don't remember if it was right before Sean's uh, injury, but they had called us aside and said, Hey man, what do you, what do you think about this? And we were like, yeah, well, whatever, we'll let you know. And then like, we ran around the corner and did front handsprings, but, uh, but it, it was like, they came to us. And so, so we were like, we had an inkling I that we, you off because I'm sorry. you didn't do a front handspring. 
No, 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 you're right. I didn't. I did. It was a, it was a round off. (laughs) All right. Sorry. It was a round off and I stuck the landing. Um, Oh, crap, I forgot. I we know. Were... <laughs> I, I was you were so excited. You were playing it cool to their face. Yes, yes. And, and, and so, so we had an inkling that we were going to be with them. We just didn't really know what. Um, not long after that, we heard, okay, Sean's out for a while. Um, that's when things really sped up. You know what I mean? That's when it was like, okay, here we go. We bring Xbox in. We do that. You know what I mean? Let's do the whole deal. And so, it was off and running, man. We were, there was an uptick in pay. There was an uptick in uh, seat on yep. the airplane. There was an uptick in uh, the uh, quality of weed I was buying. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So Raw is War, February 2nd, 1998. And it's legendary. Cactus Jack versus Chainsaw Charlie takes on each <sighs> other, even though they're a tag team. <laughs> these two crazy bastards who like fighting each other just take it to each other until cactus puts charlie into a dumpster climbs the titan drum which we just saw drops an elbow on him and out of nowhere you and billy come out closing the dumpster here you come we saw we close the dumpster we tie them shut Another interesting story i'll tell you in a minute about this dumpster we tied them shut in there if you're not uh if you're just listening, and then we are going to set sail and see if this thing will fly. Yeah, sending them on a journey, moving <laughs> it right here, rolling them. Here it goes. Oh, you're taking this a is a journey into sound. <laughs> Where are we going to push them? Let's push so I them think as an audience, are we thinking it's going to come down the ramp? Yeah, 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 for sure. We pointed down the ramp uh, like we were going to roll it down the ramp and into the ring. Then we walk over to the side. Oh, there's what's over here. Well, let's look over here and see what's over here on this side. Oh, this side's perfect. There's some tables it can crush um, that are set up there weirdly with some cords wrapped around. <laughs> yeah, there's a random black table with a black here we go. table clock. Here we go. We're going to push it off now. Oh, and it just kind of teeters over the side. Um, no, there were there were human beings in there. My God, my God, he's got a family. Um, and they do have families. Interesting thing is, uh, you know, Mick was all upset about because they saw the peanuts or whatever, the packing peanuts in there. Yeah. Um, look, you still dove off a thing down into a dumpster, dude. <laughs> um, and so, but to... Before they did this, guess who got in that thing and took that ride first? Who who are you going to tell me? Vince McMahon. Get out of here. No way. No way. I'm not getting out of here. I mean, I am in my daughter's house and her daughter's playroom because my Wi-Fi sucks at my house, but I'm not getting out of here. I'm not getting out of here. Let me at rehearsals. Vince gets in and just takes the ride off the stage. Yes. And then gets out and says, not so bad. What, what yeah. Is yeah. Is- hey, that, but that's dude. He's done that so many times. The zip line with Shawn Michaels, the, the, uh, you know, jumping off of stuff onto, uh, onto a crash pad. He's done that so many times to show, I'm not asking you to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Um, you know, you think what you want to about him, man, but he's a, he's a man's man and he's an interesting man. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, he took that before. But the, the, being sold is huge. I mean, there's concern. You got the locker room clearing out. Sonny's shown crying. There's heels and baby faces together. Everyone's checking on Cactus and Charlie. Uh, I, I, I mean, th- this is a big moment on television at this point. Yeah, and it was, and it was treated as such too. Like it literally shut the show down. You know what I mean? And there you see everybody out there: Sergeant Slaughter, the officials, or everybody. And so. Uh, and then you see Vince here in a minute, and he's we're talking to him like, "Look, we just we're just playing around, man. We didn't mean to hurt nobody." <laughs> do you remember whose idea this was to come up with doing this type of big dumpster thing? I, I do not, but I for some reason I want to say that Mick had something to do with it. You know what I mean, pitching it or, or something, and I and I could be wrong about that. Um, but like what what uh what I remember most about th- this part right here was that everybody came out there and kind of surrounded us and then really started kind of like Bradshaw really reached over the pile and like smacked me in the head and like some people started kind of getting rough and it kind of made it like real in a like nobody was punching anybody in the face or pulling anybody's eyes out but it was like hey there's some shoving and and pushing and pie facing going on you know and it made it even more legit and uh and i just remember how like wound up i was at the end of that i wanted to fight you know what i mean (laughs) like coming out of a a ninja movie and those are those moments that as an audience you want to feel that moment right there was real that and all of a sudden yeah 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 i showed up at a wrestling show i showed up at a wrestling show and a real catastrophe happened you know what i mean a real disaster um and it and it the only thing and we're going to touch on this in a second because i peruse the notes but uh, but but the only thing is at the end of this show they came back you know what i mean right they rode like uh uh, uh the hospital back. gurney and stuff and, and it was just like oh and and i remember mick and uh uh terry didn't didn't really care but mick was like oh we you know, just throws it away you know what i mean we're just coming back and it was but you know it all works man it doesn't matter i was we were probably the only ones felt that you know <laughs> at this point you and hunter and sean are so tied together are you kind of surprised that they haven't pulled the trigger yet yeah but i do again i think people knew where we were going so we didn't have to rush you know what i mean a lot of the times you go like oh we're there oh okay well then what do you do for the next four weeks of television that we have to get to a pay-per-view or what do we do for the if it's six weeks and you got a couple weeks to play before you can get into that serious story uh for the pay-per-view so we, we were just in that mode and having a good time doing it but but yeah man they were we were moving fast. So it seemed like they wanted to pull the trigger because uh, I, I think it was on uh, on the 9th. Uh, where, where am I at? Uh, I just lost my spot of what I was thinking. On February 9th, they actually go. introduced yourself as as the newest members of DX. Yeah. How come this didn't get followed up on? Do you know why it kind of fell apart? I, I, I don't. Uh, and I think it all had to do with Sean's injury where, look, you have plans and you have, you know, uh, we make plans and God laughs. You know what I mean? That's the way it is. You you book a thing and nine times out of ten, like, oh, he got hurt. She got she broke her arm, whatever. You know what I mean? And stuff happens and you got to kind of work on the fly. And uh, I'd also add that a lot of times it comes up better when you're in a crunch. It makes you a little more creative. You got to come up with chicken salad to make out of that chicken crap. And so when he got injured, I think everything kind of went into hyperdrive, you know. 
at No Way Out in Texas. You're in another pay-per-view main event. Uh, it, it's the Outlaws. Excuse me, this is actually one of your first pay-per-view main events. Yep. And it's an eight-man. Outlaws, Triple H, and Savio Vega replacing Shawn Michaels, taking on Steve Austin, Owen Hart, Cactus Jack, and Charlie. So, so first off, no disrespect to Savio Vega, a great talent, and obviously there. But when, when listing out those names... Uh, he kind of doesn't fit into the mix, especially with the stories that were going on. Is this just a, a name that had to go because he he's who's available and the only one who fits at that point? And that's where you're talking about getting creative when, when things go awry? Yeah. Well, look, and I also, uh, we all love Savio. We all knew Savio was great. We all would, you know what I mean? He he was kind of a new character. Okay. That, that immediately puts him on the, uh, on, on your radar. You know what I mean? Like, Oh dang, Savio Vegas, this new character is in, in with, in the main event. And so, uh, that sounded cocky too. I didn't mean it to sound like that, but like he was, he was in there. And so giving him a little push and boost of confidence as well. A hundred percent as a new character. How do you, how do you put him in there and do it? We talked last week about Billy's being a new character, rockabilly, and then me beating him. Like that's not, not ideal. Um, So to have him in there, uh, propped him up a little bit because I think everybody believed in Savio. Savio is great and great in the ring, man. And what a great dude. So, so yeah, we, we all welcomed the opportunity. We didn't have any choice because Sean couldn't do it. You know what I mean? So there we were. So, but yeah, we, we all, we all thought Savio was a good choice. So this is one of those interesting moments because you end up taking the fall when Austin hits you with the stunner for the win. Were you surprised that it was you taking the fall, being that you were in this build of a story and getting built, and then it wasn't then Savio who was kind of the replacement to the angle? Yeah, well, look, here, here's a, one rule that, uh, that's a, definitely a WWE-ism, uh, but it makes a ton of sense to me. If you have to substitute a guy in there and then beat him, that's no good. You know what I mean? If you the, you beat the substitute, like, oh, crap. So so we were trying to prop Savio up a little bit. I, and, and truth be told, during the day, we all took stunners, and I took them the best. So we just went that way. <laughs> the building, I did take a good stunner. I want to be honest with you. I mean, it's, it's got to be fun. To there take was a out. there was a great T-shirt that was him stunning me, and it, it may be from that pay per view. It could have been from any other TV though, because we all used to after the TV show was over, we'd all run down and get stunned. Um, but there was a T-shirt for sale. It was him stunning me and my braids flying everywhere, uh, and I made a pretty good chunk of change off that T-shirt. So thank you, Steve. Sure. Uh, but 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 also like, look, I. I you never beat the you never beat the substitute. Yep. That's, that's that, makes, that makes sense as you say it yeah, out loud. I think yeah, that's you don't yeah, you don't beat the substitute. And truth be told, the way I looked at it personally, Steve Austin was hot as fire and getting hotter. And anytime you get an opportunity to get in the ring with him and do anything, it's chances are you're going to see it again on the show. You know what I mean? You're going to see some highlights from that. Um, so I, I always thought it was good business to get in there and work with Steve. All right, so the build is on for WrestleMania in Boston. A dumpster match between the New Age Outlaws and Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie for the tag team titles. How big of an accomplishment is this for you to be in this spot? A championship match at WrestleMania. It's the biggest match of my career still to this day. Um, It's the one I remember the most. It's the, uh, like, I don't think we ever got, higher than this. And look, we were still in pay-per-views and still in main events and stuff, but this, this was the kind of stuff that set us apart 
from everybody else. Um, we went right from doing all that stuff to the road warriors, to the titles, and then right to them with hardcore stuff and, and right to this. Um, and man, this was a big deal, uh, in me and Billy's career. This was a big deal and we were ready for it. Um, and we fought, this was a fight. This was four men fighting one another. Um, and at the end, you'll see, we get hit with chair shots to be put on that, that, uh, pallet and lifted up and put in the dumpster in the back. And I literally, I don't know where, uh, in the world this comes from, but I literally told Mick, I want you to knock me out with this chair shot. And, uh, what a sadomasochist, but, I, but I, you know what the truth of it is? I remembered animal getting mad. And I remember me thinking, I would want to be hit so hard that I couldn't win. Like it's you, you took me out of the equation. So I couldn't possibly. And I remember thinking that right to the, to this night and saying, hit me as hard as you can with that chair and knock me out so that you have to pick my dead body up and put it on there. And, and I, and he hit me really, really hard. You'll see here, here in a, in a little bit. Uh, but it didn't knock me out. I wish it had have cause it hurt like hell. A have, lot of this hurt like hell, to be quite honest with you. Do you have any idea why Terry Funk came out as Terry Funk in this match? Uh, no, no. And when reading the notes, I thought like, wait, no, he didn't. But yeah, he did. But he was still in like overalls and something. So it was like, it just didn't matter. to It didn't matter to him and it didn't matter to me. You know what I mean? There's a spot at the end where Terry Funk gets really messed up. He takes a power bomb into the dumpster and uh, really hurts his back. Does this interrupt the match and change the flow of everything for you? No, no, it happened. Uh, it happened exactly like it was supposed to. The, uh, and here it comes right here. He just got power bombed and he just hit that uh, the edge of that thing going in. Um, but but yeah. So the bigger part of the story to me was, oh God. Um, the bigger part of the story to me was that ladder, that ladder spot that was supposed to, that tipped over. I was supposed to be on top of the ladder. And during rehearsals, I walked up there and I said, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Billy called me every name in the book. And I said, Billy, you can call me every name in the book all day. I'm not doing that spot. And he goes, well, I'll do it. And then it was replayed on everything. Like, <laughs> that's a great, great spot. So as we're watching the match builds to the backstage area where you and Billy end up getting put into different dumpsters and it closes and we have new tag team champions in Cactus and Funk. Are you guys happy with this match? I couldn't have been beat by two better people. Uh, yeah, happy as a pig in poop. You know what I mean? Like this was, like I said, this was a big deal for Billy and myself. Um, win, lose, or draw to be in that spot and to to – perform the way we did. Uh, yeah, this is this. They went back and looked at this 10 times. I said, how about I just hit Terry with this <laughs> cooking pan? I don't, I don't want to fall over the top rope. Uh, I hit Terry really hard with that pan too, by the way. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh there's Here another one right here. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we beat, beat everybody up, when beat each other up. Stage brawl like this is the goal to make as much of a mess as possible. Yes. And as much noise as possible, uh, because you can make a great deal of noise in there and not kill each other. Uh, but when it came to me and Mick and me and Terry and me and Al Snow and me and Boss Man and me, you know, we kind of we kind of when we got back there, we kind of got playful and had a good time with it. And we tried not to hurt each other. We also tried to, you know, be be unique and, and definitely 
snug uh, because you're fighting like a like it's a real fight. You're about, oh, that was the one. That was the one. <laughs> I was feeling for blood because the back of the, uh, you know, the back of the chair yep. came over and hit me in the back of the head. And so I was feeling for blood there. But no juice. Dollar. There was no, no kizzler. No kizzler, briz other. And then, you know, a little spooning moment on the and palate. Then, then me and Billy spooned on oh, the yeah. palate. Look at Billy. <laughs> he, like, he put a leg over it. Yeah. 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 Was well, look, that wasn't the first time we had spooned. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I mean, those are the hotel rooms. Yeah. Travel. Look, it was cold. We needed the money. <laughs> it just gets tipped off right there. And yeah, we there got- we go. And look, that, so Terry, this is classic Terry Funk. Like they're trying to, uh, they're closing it. He's trying to pin them down. And then he, he moves the whole dumpster. He almost kills Mick. Uh, then he finally pins us down and he's just screaming, I got him. I got him. <laughs> and, and beating up the dumpster. <laughs> Look, you son of a... <laughs> Look at his back right there. You see that strawberry? Amazing moment right no, there. No shame in losing to those gentlemen right there. So there's always been this thought process that WrestleMania blows off everything and it's time to reset. So did you know what the plans were next at this point? No, I had no idea. And, and look, the truth be told, I didn't... Uh, I wasn't interested in knowing what they had for me. I was just interested in doing what they had to the best of my ability. And at this point, I didn't have to worry about it because they were doing for me. They trusted us. They were putting us in these positions. They were letting us look positive on TV. And they were they were really strapping a rocket to Billy and I. And, and if it wasn't meant to be to put us with uh with, with dx like and i think it was like you could see it in the in the in the uh segments each week but if they if they weren't going to do that they sure missed a hell of an opportunity because we we teased it and teased it and you saw and they were pushed and here we go now we're with dx um and yeah we talked about people you know, why didn't they announce it sooner like it's we get it you guys are there we're there um so yeah, we're we're having a good time, man. DX was having a good time at this point. Looking back at this mania and now knowing that the next raw that's coming up the next day, I think might be that first monumental beginning of of what became the Monday Night Raw after Mania. That's like the biggest show of the year on <laughs> yeah. in, in the Raw aspect because that's when we really started seeing the defections and the changing tide of the Monday Night Wars. And let's get into Sean Waldman at that point because it was right before Mania that he got his release from WCW. What was your relationship like with Sean during that time? It was great. Look, me and I mentioned early on, I got three great friends. Uh, I should have said four because, and I thought about that on the drive home after the last podcast, because Sean Waltman's the other one. Um, Me and Sean, it was like, he's from Minnesota. I'm from Georgia. It was like we were you know, to, to two peas in a pod, man. We got along from the minute we met. 
we get along that way today. Um, I saw him at WrestleCon and hugged his neck, man. It's always great to see him. We pick up right where we left off every time. He's that kind of friend. And uh, so, yeah, I had a great relationship with him and was really because he, he was one, two, three kid and I was the roadie. And we we actually two years or maybe three years before that pay-per-view we just watched, me and him had a deal uh, in Hartford, Connecticut, where we were on the outside for that Intercontinental title match between Jeff Jarrett and Razor Ramon. And so we got into it. And so, yeah, we've known each other forever. We worked and in your house 95 we our relationship was great and so we were excited to have him come in and uh i think it was just the icing on the cake you know before we get into that raw in the big moment we're all waiting for let's take another quick break and we'll come back with the formation and creation of one of the most influential groups in the history of professional wrestling and the epitome of sports entertainment Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance yet. We never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now, and just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance. Super easy. Goliath life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price, you start the online application immediately, and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliath Life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at GoliathLife.com. Words are about to be spoken and the wrestling podcast world is about to be broken. Hey, I'm John Alba, co-host of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, and I wanted to invite you to join the iconic Matt Hardy and I every single Friday as we take a peek inside the locked room that is one of pro wrestling's most creative minds. You'll hear stories spanning more than three decades in the industry, like this week, when Matt shared his recollections of getting a call from Vince McMahon before the Hardys made their shocking return at WrestleMania 33. Uh, hey, uh, Vince just wanted to, to bust you. Look, look, fuck. Make sure Jeff doesn't do anything fucking stupid and cripple himself tonight. I fucking, I know how he is. Fucking reel him in. All right? Doors WrestleMania. Damn it. Yes, sir. I got it. It'll be good. I promise. All right? I think. All right. See you tomorrow. Hear stories like that and many more from the course of the Hardy Boys' incredible career every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and with early access exclusively on adfreeshows.com. 
All right, we're back and we're in the thick of it, dog. Because the yeah. next night on Raw, Triple H announces that he's the new leader of DX. And in his infamous, you gotta go to your heart promo, he introduces Sean Waltman as the newest member of DX. Did, this is this is a big moment, as I said. This is now. Do you think this is what really set the catalyst? I know we keep talking about moments that are starting to build the momentum of of WWE coming into play and 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 taking and putting WCW in his place, taking the victories back in the in the ratings war. But do you think Waltman coming over was really that final thing that made it turn tide? Well, so so look, saying. I would love to give X-Pac all the credit in the world to say he did that. I think he definitely rounded out the new, I guess, the new D-Generation X of uh, young, hungry, cool guys that we all got along with. And so so I, I look, I love to see him come and I and I love to uh, to work with him both in the ring and, and out of the ring. However, I just think the momentum was already started. He he didn't hurt. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't mean that in a negative connotation at all, because I love kid and I, and I think he's a superstar, a rock star. But like the the, the momentum was going and then him coming and, and, and rounding out the faction was like the icing on the cake so um yeah i don't look i'd love to give him sole credit for turning the tide (laughs) but i just think there was a whole lot a whole lot of momentum moving and then him coming kind of pushed us out in front was like yeah you can't you can't touch this sorry my pants sometimes my wrestling pants make me do that I'm wearing my road dog pants as we speak. All right. On this show, (laughs) you guys have a rematch scheduled, and it's a steel cage match. With Terry's injury from the night before, he's just handcuffed to the cage while you start to work, where you and Billy work over. Yeah, he stayed uh, stayed handcuffed to the cage the whole time, and we just beat up mankind. Well, he beat us up a little bit, too, as if you're watching on YouTube, you can see. Uh, He beat the crap out of us a little bit, too. But, yeah, we basically just, uh, for lack of a better term, like crucified uh, Terry and just took the match to – to Mick, but then you see X Pac with the X Pac with the chair shots that that I mean we're totally cheating. You know what I mean? China's and, got and also with- joining Degeneration X as we speak. So you guys pick up the win after this, and you and you become official members of the new DX. I'm literally all- wearing a Job Squad shirt as I <laughs> spike pile drive Mick Foley to keep the titles or win the titles or whatever titles again right? yeah <laughs> yeah and this is where i did i had done that once before the worm into a pinfall um what a what what was i doing you know what i mean like, what, are you, what, are you, what are you thinking brian any comments from foley in the back after you see that you couldn't just pin me <laughs> yeah no no comments from him he knew he, he look he's a mix a great guy and he's a great he's he knows i'm just playing with my character and seeing what all i can get away with and he was willing to let me get away with it on him you know Did but yeah this know- was the this was the show that really cemented these guys are here these guys are going to be dominant uh and these guys are the new thing you know what i mean because i'm 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 not 100 percent, but i'm 90 percent sure we went off the air with all four of us standing up on the top rope in the corners and those guys laying dead you know what i mean like that's if you're trying to push somebody that's how you do it you know 
did you know what this would mean for your career? I feel like you got it at this point. This yeah, is- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did, I did, and we, and it, it was, it was all really fast, and so. And again, I was ignorant to a lot of the ways of the wrestling business, the business side of it, for sure. The in-ring part, when the bell rang, I knew I got that. I got that covered. I can do that and I can, you know, and I can get by. Um, but the business side of it, I didn't have the booking, all that. I didn't really have a clue as to how that all worked. So I didn't really know what was going down. <laughs> We're just selling the Bronco Buster. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all we're all just beating people up, and yeah, they really let us run with this. And Terry, bless his heart, he was beat up, and we were beating him up more over there. <laughs> but yeah, this was the one that said, "Here we are. We are Degeneration X." You've been talking about how fast everything moves, and, and and how quick. Was there a time during this DX run where you actually looked around, took a breath? and just said, holy shiznit, this is crazy, man. No. (laughs) I would have loved to have uh, have mentally been aware of that balance or trying to maintain that balance, but I was just running fast. You know what I mean? And we were moving fast and life was fast, and uh, I, I didn't have the clarity to realize what I was doing and where I was at. Uh, right, I'm going to call you out on this real quick right there. Looking at that clip, yeah. it was actually Hunter, Sean, and Billy on the front corner and middle, and and you were in the back corner right there. You got to find the hard cam, dog. No, 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 no. What I wanted to do, see, they just, there wasn't room for me. I <laughs> wanted to include those fans who paid for the seats yeah. opposite hard cam. Um, yeah, I don't know. I probably should have gone. I thought, I thought X-Pac was going to that other one. It would be all four of us. And you're, and you're, but you were right. I, I, we did go off the air like that, but. I mean, this is it. This is this. It's a nice the- shot of my ass. I don't know if you saw that. Guys- our degeneration x at this point now that you're a part of dx you're essentially as we talked about top guys now that you're in that spot do you get to have a little bit more say and influence in your creative or as as you've kind of talked about you kind of just do the job you're asked to do yeah yeah so 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 look we did have a little more uh say so then i don't know that we used it a lot but but we definitely suggested things what i like to say about that whole time is vince russo wrote us into a lot of scenarios that are really cool and we acted our way out of them you know what i mean by that like they would he would write us into a cool scenario where dx is on a a landing strip and one of us is off in the plane flying you know what i mean and that and then they just go like okay what what are y'all gonna do oh what if i say this and then you say that and we go you know what i mean so so he wrote us into a lot of really cool and really successful uh propping us up you know situations and scenarios but we had to you know if if you you can't just write me to be good <laughs> or else you wouldn't need the wrestler you could just use the writer you know what i mean like you're not a, you can't write the rock you can't you write that and then he he just performs it that has to come from him and he has to evolve that and you have to help him creatively whatever if you're going to make this guy we got to make this guy you know and then he comes up with the, some of the things he wants to say and so that's how we did too you know we 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 had our input but but only one time did I ever, no, no, two times did I ever say, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, and one time I didn't say it 
it was X-Pac that said it. Uh, and I just went, went along with it. Uh, <laughs> that was, that had to do with the Dudley boys. I don't know if they know that or not. So this is, it's going to be awkward next time I see Bubba. Uh, Devon won't care. He's like me. We'll just hug. Uh, Bubba will be pissed. <laughs> All right, dog. We said we were going to talk about you joining DX, and we just saw it happen. So why don't we get to the fan questions? Oh. And this first one's going to come from me. Was there anyone from WCW during the Monday Night Wars that you and Billy wanted to jump over so that you could work with them? Not, not really. Not really. Look, like the, to me, if I could have worked with anybody, it would have been the cruiserweights. Um, I would have just been their base for everything, um, except for if it was a moonsault off a cage, and I'm not catching you. Um, that's for those of you that know. Oh, wait, for those that. of you that know, you're welcome. Moment, I remember a moment that you had to catch Cody. I think you and Billy had to catch Cody Rhodes. Yeah off the top of a cage and i don't think you guys caught him and dusty was pissed yes dusty was pissed dusty said something look i told that there's a long story behind that and i'm not going to get into it now but i told him i'm not gonna catch you like a like we're you know what i mean uh in a 69 (laughs) i'm not gonna catch you like that perfectly i probably shouldn't have said that but anyway And, and he said all i need you to do is stick your arm out there and i said I'll do that. Uh, and, and really the cut, they cut to a different camera. It like looked great. Uh, but yeah, Dusty was pissed. And I mean, and, and when I went to NXT, not long after that, he apologized to me. And that's the truth. Dusty said, hey, man, it's my baby boy. And I, I said, Dusty, you don't have to apologize to me. I totally understand. I, I know they're working with the prince. <laughs> yeah, you're working with the prince, baby. And and, and I knew I was. And, and, and that's and that's. You know, that's what it is. And so I had no problem with Dusty wanting to protect his child and, and being interested in his child's safety. You know what I mean? Like when you get down right down to it, it's OK, Dusty. I appreciate you loving me. You know what I mean? Enough to talk to me and, and let's have this conversation. So, yeah, that was cool. All right. Adfreeshows.com. Slap nut Devin Dowling <laughs> wants to know, do you think DX would have been as successful if Shawn Michaels would have stayed healthy and never left? WWF. Yeah, well, look, I could, I would imagine it would be, it would have been more successful, and and that's just because, look, you take the the four or five with China, and then you add Shawn Michaels to that. You take any four, five with China, and add Shawn Michaels to that. It only uh, increases your stock value. You know what I mean? So I, I think it would have been more over. Um, and man, it would have been it would have been great to be able to work with Sean like that because, like I said, Sean to me, Sean's one of the best in the game. Man, he 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 could go with anybody at any time and do any work, any kind of style, and he was courageous as crap with his bumps he took and like that. Yeah, goes a long way uh, when you're Sean Michaels. And so, if he would have been with DX, we would have been even more even more popular. We'd have just had to sh- uh, split the merchandise. Uh, one, one more one more piece of pie. <laughs> I got some more questions coming from adfreeshows.com. This one coming from top guy Michael McLanahan, and he wants to know, in Road Dog's opinion, how critical was Sean Waltman's post-WrestleMania debut to the rebranding of DX? And had Sean Waltman not been available, who would you have liked to have seen take Sean's spot in DX? Man, that's a great question. I, look, I do think Sean... Uh, coming, Sean Waltman coming, perfect. It made it perfect. Hunter's the new leader. Here we are. 
uh, and here's our new guy that we're adding. And it was a, it was not only did he jump ship, but he here he comes out. So there's a pop already because you know the guy, you love the guy. Then he was on the other show last week or two weeks ago, and now he's on our show. And it is the Monday after Mania. So, yeah, I think him being here uh, made a huge deal and uh, was the like the last final straw in the cementing of, holy crap, this new faction is going to be something else. Um, as far as who I would have have been in there, man. They're just nobody else. And I thought about this and when I saw it, nobody else would have fit. I mean, that's just the truth. Like it would a kiddo fit like a hand in a glove. You know what I mean? It was just meant to be. Um, so I don't know. I don't think too much. Like I, it would make me, it would make me beg the question, who would you as a viewer like to see instead of X-Pac? Was there somebody there in WWE at the time? Was it somebody in w, WCW that could have jumped over? Like, because to me it was, I don't know. I never thought about anybody. It being anybody else. It's, it's kiddo. Like that's who it is. And that's the, that's the right answer. All right, enhancement talent, low quality music production wants huh. to know Was Road Dog excited that me? to join? Wait, that's just me asking a question. <laughs> was Road Dog excited to join DX? We talked about that, but did you have any hesitation towards joining? No. Yeah, no, not for a second. I mentioned before we like said, uh, yeah, well, let us, you know, let us think about it. Let us talk to each other, talk amongst ourselves. Uh, and, and again, then we walked around the corner and I did not do a front handspring. Um, but, but, we were excited as crap. And why wouldn't you have been? First, it was Sean and Hunter. And then we both knew, and, and this is sad to say, and I'm sorry, but with Sean out, it meant that that much more airtime and responsibility for us uh, to, to beat. You know what I mean? It was almost like we were, we got, we got promoted because he wasn't there. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. I don't, I don't think that's right, wrong or indifferent. I think that's just kind of how it felt to us. So it was like, OK, let's do this thing, man. Yeah, the family, it felt all right. And, and uh, to the earlier question, I wish Sean would have been there with us. Yep. Top gal Lindsay Lopez asks, was anyone afraid that this second version of DX wouldn't be as popular as the original? So I'm sure there were those thoughts. I mean, you take Shawn Michaels out of any, you know, uh, scenario and it cheapens it a little bit. I think it was the perfect storm though of Hunter's the new boss. Here's his two guys. We got a new guy. Here's this guy. And and he jumped ship to come over here. So I think it I think it all worked perfectly for how it was supposed to work. But yeah, it's it's uh man, you, you take away Shawn Michaels from anything and it's 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 gonna make it cheaper. You know what I mean? That's just the way and I don't mean to sing his praises so much that we need to get a room. But look the guy me and him have been close for 30 years and, and that's no lie. And, you know, brothers fight and brothers hug and, and we've done all of that. You know what I mean? And, and today our relationship's better than ever, but yeah, Shawn Michaels, uh, it was so we look, they were cool, but we were cool in a different way. We were different. Yeah. We, we were just we were cool, too. It was just not the way they were cool. You know what I mean? So and I think it got a little um, that's why I think Sean could have added to it if he was there. It got a little more edgy and a little more rough. And when we became more aggressive and dominant, like the people liked us even more, kind of turned us baby faces. So, yeah. Um, DX, yeah. man. DX, I, man. Gonna, 
We're going to take it to Twitter from this one. We're talking to at TommyBecky17. Did you all have instant chemistry or was there a slight learning curve to make it happen? You and Real Billy Gum were a perfect team uh, in and out of the ring. Of course, the whole group was the best ever in the business. Well, I like the sound of that. I don't know if that's the case. The people always ask a DX or NWO. Of course, I'm biased. I cannot answer that question. Uh I just think DX was a, was a it was timing, man. It's timing and everything. Timing is everything. You know what I mean? It was he, he got hurt. Now Waltman's here. Now we're the new DX, the first one after the first raw after mania. You know what I mean? Then we and so so it's just timing is everything. And timing was of the essence with putting us together with the uh, the Monday Night Wars. Like it was just a great time to be a wrestler and a wrestling fan. Absolutely. And with that said, that's episode number two. Part do. Did I let me ask you a question, Ryan? Did I answer any of those questions you just answered me or did I just give you the old DC duck and twirl? No, you gave some answers, but at the same point, hey, sometimes you got to throw a little pull. I, I don't even know what I'm going to say. Yeah, sometimes no, I knew you what you were going to say. You got to put a little spin on some stuff. Yeah, amen. amen. And we've also been talking about some of these things. So I encourage everyone to go back to episode number one and learn about that chemistry and the build between Road Dog and Billy, because it didn't start as an instant bond. It was something that had to come together. And we talked about that last you week. You know what? I'm glad you brought me back. Thank you. The chemistry was there for all of us, but because we had worked so many times before. Billy and I were there. Sean and I, uh, X-Pac and I had worked a million times. Me and Hunter worked a million times. We had the timing. We had the wherewithal to know where each other was going to be. From the get-go, we had chemistry, uh, and it was because of our past relationships. And there you go, answering Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I wanted to answer that question. Like an expert, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Also, I never got a uh, confirmed answer pants or no pants on these i mean i i think i think it gets a little hot in the room so Mm -hmm. if you can if you can sit with no pants i'm not offended personally okay good good (laughs) 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 ryan cats you old son of a beasting look i appreciate you doing this with me man it's so much fun to hang with you And, and for those of you listening or watching like ryan has such a great mind for this industry and such a great entertainment mind that he he was on my team team dog uh when we were creating and and uh and and coming up with characters that are now on nxt and we yep. get to see our fruits kind of yep. uh or we just kind of see our, our the fruits of our labor come to fruition and so just know that ryan knows what he's talking about man uh he's an entertaining guy he was the first one i asked for so uh appreciate that yeah no thank you just we're asking the fans out there to follow us, subscribe and, and go on this journey with us. You know what I mean? We're going to learn how to do podcasts and, uh, and you can learn about uh, the career of the old road dog. While they're going along on this journey and following you, tell them what you got coming up in the next few months, uh, weeks or months. You got any signings or any meet and greets they can go check out? Yeah, so there's one, and I don't know if it'll already have happened by uh, the time this airs, but in Indianapolis, there's a two-day uh, con, and I, I actually forget the name of it right now, but but it's in Indianapolis, and, and it's going to be me and Billy are going to be there. I think Jake the Snake, I think Sammy Guevara and Ty Conte. Um, so some some old faces and some new faces, but uh, we're going to have a good time, man. And just me and Billy uh, and me and Jeff alike are having autograph signings all over the place. So you can uh, follow us on social media and find out those as well. 
Awesome to hear. Awesome to hear. And if we can close this out with a little shameless plug for me, I wrote an ebook recently and it's available now at howtobeaprowrestler.com and also in the Amazon Kindle store. It's a quick ebook read and resource guide to help any aspiring wrestler starting their journey in the business with tips on how to get started, how to find credible training and how to stand out from everyone else in the business. And this ebook will give you kind of the inspiration and motivation to begin your career in the business. You can check it out now at howtobeaprowrestler.com to order. And with that said, let's wrap up this second edition of Oh You Didn't Know. And next week, we're going to continue as we talk about another formation, this time VKM and TNA, the Voodoo Kin Mafia. Wait, what? <laughs> For we're gonna, those, we're going to yeah, talk about that. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into it. And and for those listening, not watching, if you saw Road Dog's expression <laughs> in his and and his eyes bug open, you know this episode's going to have a little bit of juice. It was not a comfortable conversation when I got hired back at the WWE. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I have a feeling this episode's going to get a little hot around the collar, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. But until next week, I'm Ryan Katz. He's the Road Dog, and this has been... Oh, you didn't know? Is that what, right? Should I say, oh, you didn't, oh, you didn't know? Oh, you didn't know? Question mark? I'm not sure how it goes. This has been, oh, you didn't know.